Hello to everybody who's taking on a big bet squirrel. It's beautiful. Anonymous. One hour. One phone call. No names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you. And you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. Another episode. A lot to talk about from recent episodes. A couple things I want to just address. Then we'll get into this week's episode, which is, I think, a very good combination of, of serious and funny. First off, though, a couple things going on related to past episodes. One, a few weeks back, we had our uh, caller who was about to head off to college, who had gotten into Columbia, but was heading to state school instead to help keep an eye on family, help get some finances together. A bunch of the people in our Facebook group very kindly said I would I would start something and, and throw some money towards the caller and we actually Jared reached out to the caller and said would you want people to organize this and the caller very graciously said I'm flattered but uh, it's not what I'm looking for right now but did recommend that if you are interested in helping people in similar situations that you check out the dream dot us they focus on providing scholarships to people in you know, uh, circumstances not too far away from what the caller was dealing with. So check out the dream.us if you're looking for something along those lines for the caller's requests. Uh, what else? The asexual lunch lady. Uh, people loved that episode. I'm glad people liked it. The asexual lunch lady is now in the Facebook group participating in the convo. Check it out if you're interested. Speaking of the Facebook group, the stalked by my ex episode, things got a little testy. I was in there. Um, people, a couple people were uh, upset that I said that I see the value in maybe defunding the police and and diverting those funds towards some other parts of our infrastructure. Get why people are mad. I'll say if you're mad at me, come at me. I was a little, I was a little stressed. I feel like that Facebook group has been so lovely and laid back and all about honest communication. And there was some game playing in there, if you ask my opinion. And I never want the group to be something so stressful that uh, people feel, feel like they got to duck out. There's enough of that on Facebook. There's enough stress in our lives caused by social media. That group is a pleasant place. This week's episode, like I said, part serious, part funny. The second half is so funny. Uh, it involves a big fat squirrel, involves an action movie, it involves an ice cream fight, involves the Queen of England. The uh, The first half is an English caller talking with me about sorting out all the social stuff happening in America, how some things translate, me trying to figure out what things as an American do I have to explain more, her explaining to me, no, I get it. Her talking about her own racial identity and how she's come to embrace it more during these times. So again, if you're looking for the serious part of the show, first half, right up your alley. Funny stuff, second half. You can skip to that. I recommend you listen to both. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? There we go. Hi. Hi. So sorry about all this rigmarole, as they say. That's okay. Now, did you happen to hear me? Did you happen to hear me shout the words, I'm so sorry that I'm shirtless and wet? I don't know if you caught that. No, I didn't hear that. Oh, good. Good, good. Yes, there's a... We're doing the show via Zoom lately, so when I got back on the Zoom with Jared and Anita, I said that because there's a a tropical storm outside of my house right now. So I put out the call prompt and then ran outside to throw everything I own in the basement, and now I'm back and we're talking. Wow, there's a storm over there? Yeah, a tropical storm, which is like not quite a hurricane. So if my power goes out, I apologize, and we'll just call you back another time. That's no problem. I mean, I'm from, you probably hear from my accent, I'm from the UK, so tropical Mm -hmm. storms aren't something that I deal with in my daily experience. Yes, it's not a daily thing, but a couple times a year. Um, What part of the UK are you in? Yeah, no, Um, London. London, beautiful London, great town, great town. It can be. A fast-paced town that'll also grind you up is the impression I get, but a great town. 
just like New York. It'll grind you up, but it's got a lot to offer. Yeah, that's true. It's it's uh, I've kind of lived here my whole life, um, but in the next few years, I'm hoping to move to Ireland, so somewhere completely different. Oh wow! Why are you moving to Ireland? Um, my girlfriend is from Ireland, and if I can, if like, we hope to get married, and so if we get married and live in Ireland, I can have an Irish passport, and then I'm part of the EU again. Ah. And you'll be a fellow Irish passport holder. I have I have my EU passport from Ireland. Oh, yeah, because I know you have um, Irish descent, right? Yeah, I got the right of return, they call it. So since my grandparents were born there, I, uh, I was able to file the paperwork and become an Irish citizen. And that means my son is an Irish citizen as well, which means that, you know, I try not to be too paranoid about the state of the world. But if we do descend into total chaos here in America, we can duck out, get over to the Emerald Isle for a few years, ride things out. That's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, um, I am a, I can, I'm a variety of different ethnicities and um, my family are also from Switzerland. Um, and I'm also part Indian as well. Um, and so, especially with everything that's been happening in the UK lately, I kind of feel, I don't know, I feel very weird about my Britishness in light of all the stuff that's happening. And I feel more European and I don't like that I'm not part of the EU anymore. And um, I also have Irish descent. My great grandfather was Irish, um, but I never had that passport. So it wouldn't feel too wrong of me to have an Irish passport, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Citizen of the world. It's very, it's very uh, yeah. as an American, we, we take up so much room that being an American, it's like everything is self-contained within the borders of America as far as how do you identify as an American and being from different regions, what it means. But I have always been very fascinated, as you said, the idea of Britishness is a, is a very specific thing and the idea of being European very specific thing. And it feels like, especially being European, it always kind of shifts over what exactly that means. And it's very, uh, yeah. it's, it's very fascinating to watch from afar because I can't quite decipher it. It's kind of hard being in it as well. And also um, for me, I, even though like I'm, I'm 75% white, um, I'm only a quarter Indian, but I look very Indian. I have the darker skin. Um, and dark hair and dark eyes and everything. And so I've definitely noticed over the last, or since Brexit really, just the level of racism that I've, (coughs) sorry, the level of racism that I've personally experienced has just increased and increased, especially um, in my line of work. And um, because I was born here and I really had no um, link to my Indian heritage because I never knew my Indian family. I'd always felt very British. And now I have people telling me that I don't belong here or that I should go back to where I'm from. And it's very difficult being told that you should go back to where you're from when you are from. I'm from England. That's how I feel. And it's very um, strange to have that kind of increase. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's something that's actually been said to you? Oh, yes. Um, I work for a company that has English in its title, and somebody once said to me, how can you work for the English, I won't say, um, if you're not from England? And that was before I'd even opened my mouth and said anything. And as you can hear from my accent, I was definitely born here because I would not pretend to have this accent if I wasn't from here. <laughs> I sound like a posh twat, in my opinion. Can you repeat a posh what? Uh, like... Uh, a posh twat. Uh, I mean, that I, I went to a private school, um, and I, I know you've spoken to somebody else from this country who's been to a private school. Yes. So yes. myself as a, as a young child, I sounded very pretentious, mm-hmm. and I hated it. I really, really hate that I sound this way. So my girlfriend from Ireland says that it makes me sound very... Um, <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah. I really don't like my accent, and her family tease me about it all the time. I, it's funny, there's, there's, you know, just you go different places and different words get tossed around and there's less impact. 
And I will say as an American, I'm sure you're aware. I feel like, I feel like uh, the English toss around the word twat very casually. And in America, that one has, yeah. that's one that when we hear it in America, it's quite shocking to us. Which is, which is why I was taking. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> no, of course, that's just why when you at brought. Least was, up, at least I was talking about myself. Uh, yes, yes, no, <laughs> and it is. It's one of those things. You go different places, and different things have different impact, and that's why I wanted to make sure you said that before I repeated it. Because if I just, if I'm like, oh, I thought you said posh trois, and you were like, I didn't say that, I would feel um indescribably <laughs> guilty indescribably embarrassed so i'm, no, I'm glad no, i just wanted no, verification I, I mean it in the sense no no sure no i i meant it in the sense that like when i when i talk i feel like i sound very posh and i, I don't it. feel very posh <laughs> oh, so I, I feel like my accent doesn't quite match me <laughs> i hear you i hear you that's just like in the states we have um a piece of apparel called a fanny pack. And I've been told over and over again, do not refer to it as that in England. Very different connotations. Very, <laughs> yeah. different, very different connotations. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Now that we've had that sidetrack where I got taken aback and blushed a little, um, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm so sorry. It's it's the reality of things that a lot of people don't want to deal with, right? You You hear about all over the world that that um, there's been this shift to, you know, this far right influence that's dragging everybody to the mm-hmm. right and everybody's politics are their own. Some people head that way, but then to hear from you, the actual collateral damage. No, actually someone has told me I'm not from where I'm from. People have actually said to me, why don't you go back where you are from? This is, this is a day-to-day ground-level thing that uh, people are running into. And it's it's got to be very jarring. And it's yeah. got to be very scary. It is. And, you know, like everything that's been happening in the States regarding, you know, Black Lives Matter and how that has spread around the world. Um, like for me personally, as somebody who's mixed race, um, it's been really hard for me to figure out where exactly I should stand. And I don't mean that by saying I don't stand with black people because that's completely not my point. Um, what I'm saying is that especially the way the media portray it, to me anyway, I'm just speaking from my own personal experiences. I would never try and put my opinion on anybody else. Um, but it, it feels very binary. You know, it's very black versus white. And of course that's important, but I always kind of, I try and view it a bit like a stage, you know. So you have two podiums and you have the black people who are standing on one side who are saying, this is my experience. This is how I have been treated. And then you have on the other side, those, you know, white people who are listening and then can use their privilege to amplify those voices. And that's very, very important. And I'm not trying to say that's not important. But for me, when I, when I look at this stage, I see elements of myself in both sides. You know, because I understand that I don't have, you know, as much racism as some people do. But I also feel very strange about not talking about my experiences and siding completely with I need to recognize my own privilege. Because I, it feels weird to me to not talk about my own experiences of racism. But I also don't want to tread on the toes of the people who created this movement, who it's about. Kind of makes sense to you. It does. It does, and it's it's so fascinating to hear you from across the ocean. What a fascinating thing to hear you sorting out Black Lives Matter, which is such a such a you know, a people are marching in the streets every day in the states, and it's so fascinating because yeah, well, some of it's just semantic, right? And some of it's that it's 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 very it's very wild, you know, to hear you say that it feels black versus white. And I'm sure that there are elements to which that's true. But I will say, from being an American to any of our international listeners, I feel like the the real issue is that I think for black Americans, it has felt black versus white since 
you know, the founding of our country. And I think for a lot of white people, yeah. it's been, you know, we, we try to convince ourselves over and over again that things are, are have changed. And this is actually the first time in my lifetime that it feels like it's black uniting with white um, by and large. And then, and then yeah. there, there are some amongst us who do vehemently do not agree, but it, it's, it's, it's funny. I had um, an English fan of the show sent me a message after hearing me say, you know, let me be very clear that I support black lives matter on the show. And, an English listener actually messaged me on Facebook and said, how can you say that all lives matter? It's not just black lives that matter. And I said, oh, well, we talked it out. He was very, very upset at first. And there's a part of me that just wanted to be, you know, I've, I'm so emotional over here right now, all of us, that I wanted to just be like, fuck off, you know? But I realized, oh, there's there's some translation here. And, and what I compared it with to him was the phrase all lives matter it's 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 very strange because that to many of us here who are on the liberal end of politics and progressive, it actually comes off as racist. But I think to anybody from the outside looking in, they would go, "Well, well, all lives matter." And I I said to him, "I feel like it's almost oh, in, but I, you get it. I think you you see that." I I completely I I absolutely hate the phrase "all lives matter" because the whole point of it it's it's no one is saying that you know. You pick one. Um, yes, yes, like yes. you pick black lives, and you suddenly they're elevated about everybody else. It doesn't change anything else. All lives matter is is completely missing the point. But I think maybe what the person who you spoke to is coming from is that when you are in the UK, the UK is such a diverse country, but purely because of the empire, you know, and, and that's something which angers me that people don't know enough about in this country is um. You know, like the stuff that the English Empire did, you know, the British Empire, it's not even taught in the curriculum in most of the schools in this country. People aren't aware of the things that England did. Mm-hmm. And um, it's because of that that we have people from all around the world who live in this country. You have the Windrush generation who came to this country and then were told that they're not citizens, even though the UK went and invaded their country and invited them to come. No, what, after the war, you know. Which citizens were that? Of the stuff that the UK did. Yeah, so the Windrush generation. So basically, the UK went and you know like colonized places like Jamaica and so on, and then these countries fought with the UK, you know, in World War Two, and then mm-hmm. after World War Two, they came to England for a better life, and were then treated as worse than you know dog poo on the floor and was treated as not being English citizens, despite the fact that they actually were. Um, they were invited to come and help repair the country after the war, and yet their children are being treated, you know, so racist in this country because you know, people are just so narrow-minded. But these people came to England after the war because of all of this, and so you have a whole range of different people who live in this country People from India, for example, like my family. And I, when I was saying, you know, it's still very binary, like black and white, I mean it more for like my country is the fact that people need to wake up and realize that there are so many people living in this country that are treated as second best. And I know that like, the States has had a very like systemic racist um you know, what's the word? Relationship with, you know, black Americans. And I understand that. But this country has it with a whole range of different people, brown, black, anything in between. And I think this has been a massive wake-up call for most people in my country, not all of them. Yeah, it's such a strange time. So much to say in response to that. And it's... uh is really, I have to say, it's already very cool to talk to you because you've got clearly both a lot of emotion about it, but also a lot of knowledge. And that's a good combo. And, um, you know, there's so many responses I have. One is, I think, you know, I think part of what Black Lives Matter deals with, if we want to talk about like the historical roots, and I'm no expert. So this is just one 
average citizen's opinion is that I think, I think that, I think the States is actually very similar to what you described as the UK of people from everywhere. I think the, one of the mm-hmm. things, cause I certainly think, I certainly think Hispanic people have felt like there's so much, you know, so much more danger the past few years because yeah. of things surrounding in- immigration. I certainly think you can look at every wave of Im- immigrants in our, in our country's history. I think Asian people for, you know, the reason, the reason there's so many Chinese restaurants in America, if I am remembering my history correctly, is because there were so many deportations of Chinese in, uh, immigrants. Unless you worked in the food industry, you could get a visa. And that's part of why it was get deported or work in food. Like it's it's a part of it. And even going back to the Irish, you know, Irish need not apply signs. Go back to the Italians. The, the, people regarded as like yeah. anarchists not to be trusted. But I think the issue that a lot of us are finally coming to grips with is that all of those immigrant groups and some you know, you know, certainly the Irish and Italians because of the color of their skin, it's easier. They've gotten more of a chance to grow generally generationally and fight their way into all the beautiful things America has to offer. And like I said, I'm probably pissing some people off right now who are going, my group has not had that chance. And I understand that it's varying degrees of success, but I think we can all agree that black Americans have been here from the start in the most fucked up circumstances yeah. and remain today in the most fucked up circumstances. Oh, so it's like, when are, when are we going to give this incredibly important community that has helped build this nation inarguably a fair shot? Can we just get a fair shot going? And then, as far as you said, talk yeah, about I, I English com- colonization. Agree. <laughs> you could even you, you could probably argue that what's happening in America right now goes back to English colonization. We were American colonies and slave owning colonies. You can easily say that everywhere you, in the you world. You can completely say that. And I know. I mean, this is something I I talk with my my girlfriend quite a bit because you know she is Irish, and so her, I mean her family. Going back generations, we still remember the time when in the UK there were signs up, you know, saying no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. You know, and, and she also appreciates the fact that, you know, she is white. And so she's been able to, like, her country's been able to reclaim some sense of, you know, it's easier for them to find the humanity again, um, which, you know, black Americans really don't have. And the same for, for black, Brit- black Brits as well. And also when you were saying about how black Americans came and, you know, helped build this country or your country, it's the same what I feel about a lot of Indians and a lot of Jamaicans for this country. Like I was saying about the Windrush and how they came over and helped rebuild the country after the war and then to be treated as nothing. And um, that's something I feel, I feel quite strongly about. I mean, I don't really know my Indian family that well. In fact, I only um, I only discovered who they were about three years ago. Let's go ahead and pause because we have to pause sometimes, right? That's how the show works. We pause every now and then. Then what we do is we reflect on the things we've heard, and when we come back, we hear even more. So that's what's about to happen. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. The first break is over. We shall now hear more telephone call until we get to the second break. I mean, I don't really know my Indian family that well. In fact, I only um, I only discovered who they were about three years ago um, by doing my own research online. I managed to finally track them all down. Um, but I felt a lot closer to my Indian side from having found them. And um, it's kind of the first time that I've really felt proud to be Indian because in the past it was always something negative, especially for my family. Um, and I'm trying to, like, it, it took me a long time to actually be able to say, you know what, I am brown. Because for a long time, my mum never talked about the fact that she was brown and that I was therefore brown because it, that always reminded her of her father, which was never a good thing. Um, so I always used to say I was white. And if there's anything good that's come out of this is the fact that I actually feel like I know who I am more so now. Um, that's cool. 
So it's kind of sad that it has to come with it. It has to come with the negativity of being told, oh, you're not white enough to be white, but you're not brown enough to be brown either, because I get that a lot as well. <laughs> but I actually feel like I know my, my own identity a bit better now. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing that all this negativity and all this fear, I bet there's people all over the globe right now going, you know what? I I have to, whether it's embrace my background more than I have or fight for my background more than I ever have and not sit down. If we can get that yeah. mobilized for people in the world, what a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I like I've I've always felt that, especially people like me, because I I I tan a lot in the sun, and that's when my skin my skin color changes very drastically. So it's during the summer that I experience more racism because I literally go about ten shades darker. Um, but wow. I, I've always felt like I was defined by who like I was like I was defined by who I wasn't as opposed to who I am like you are not white enough or you are not brown enough or you can't you are not English enough or you're not Indian enough or you're not Swiss enough and now I'm saying no I am mixed race and I'm actually proud to say that now when I wasn't about three or four years ago hell yeah I like I hate hearing that it's laced with so much questioning and and strife I love hearing you say that sentence. I'm proud of who I am now. I can't say that was true a few years ago. That's that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I think that's the motto for where I am in life right now. Anyway, in return, like in in terms of many different aspects of my life, I'm actually proud of who I am at the moment. When I wouldn't have imagined myself saying that in the past, so I'm proud of myself for that. Now, I gotta ask. I just heard this song. You would love this song. You're going to love this song. Okay. Do, do you know this artist, punk artist, English named Bob Villain? V-Y-L-A-N though, like Bob Dylan? Yeah. Do you know Bob Villain? Yes, I do. That, yes. so, that song, We Live Here? Do you know that one? What, which song, sorry? We Live Here? I don't know that one, uh, no. This song, first of all, it rocks. This song rocks ass. <laughs> if you like punk music. The, yeah. It's basically a song about him being not white, living in England, and people constantly telling him to go home. And the whole song, the premise is basically him going, I'm from here. I live here. I was born here. And it has a lyric where... Uh, here, I looked. I'm Googling it now. The lyrics. He has a lyric in this song that goes, you told me to go back to my own country, said, since we arrived, this place has got so ugly, but this is my fucking country and it's never been fucking lovely. I heard that. I was like, wow, man, that's, yeah, that's, this is that not, gets me. <laughs> that's punk rock. That This is not like my pop punk songs about boys who can't get the girl that I grew up. That's punk rock yeah so that that lyric i i very much relate to right now yeah a lot of people we're gonna get on the other i mean especially especially the fact sorry like sorry but yeah like because i i told you I, i went to a private school and um i was lucky in the sense that i was taught in history a lot of things that i think a lot of people aren't taught in this country and um so even as a as a young kid, like one of the things that we that we were taught in history was about Oswald Mosley, and um, I've yet to find somebody in this country um, who I've said Oswald Mosley to, and they go, "Oh yeah, I know who that is." Um, I mean, do you know who he is? Probably not from being in the states, but I'll ask the question before I explain. I must admit my ignorance. Who is Oswald Mosley? So Oswald Mosley was the leader of the BUF, which was the British Union of Fascists. And he was around at the time that Hitler and Mussolini were in power. And he was trying to do the same thing that they were doing. And he was getting a lot of support from British people. And he was very much up and coming. 
um, until a point where he tried to walk through the east of London and smashed the windows of the where the homes where the Jewish people were living. And um, the, the population of the East End came out onto the street and said, you will not march here. These are our, our neighbours, our friends. You do not march here. And they blocked him. And he couldn't end up coming down the road. Um, and from then on, he, he had to abandon his march. And from that point onwards, um, his, he started to decline in popularity. But for up until about 39, he still had a lot of support in this country. And I think a lot of people don't realise that. They always think, you know, fascism, that never happened in the UK. That's never going to be a thing that we were associated with. We were the ones who fought it. And yet he had a lot of support. And, um, you know, people should be proud that, yes, we may have supported this guy, but we were the ones who eventually stopped him. But no, no one... He's just eradicated from history. No one ever talks about him because it's better to pretend that we never had any connection to fascism than to even admit that we did. And I was taught this as a, you know, I was 16. And um, from learning that, I was like, okay, there are some things that I need to learn about because other people don't seem to know about this. And so I really made it my, I don't know, I just tried to learn as much as I could. I love reading. I will read anything put in front of me. So... I love to learn and I love to discuss things. And so I did my very, very best to try and educate myself. And um, that's why I know a lot of things about, like, you know, the empire and things in this country that I think more people should know about. I think the American version of Mosley, and maybe there's more pointed examples I'm not smart enough to know, but we had the Boond. We had the Bund, B-U-N-D, and a lot mm-hmm. of Americans are never taught about this. This is a, a German-American organization that before World War II became pro-Nazi. And uh, you might think it was a small fringe group. No, no, no. They had a rally that sold out Madison Square Garden, which is the known as the world's most famous arena, and there's footage of it. It's chilling. Yeah. This fascism yeah. can happen anywhere, but we got to be like Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie put it right on his guitar. This machine kills fascists, man. And I'm not saying murder people. I am saying stop it in its tracks every time you see it. You have to. It's all of our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And also just to recognize that no one's a meaning. Nope. It can if show you, up you, anywhere. You can, if, you, if you start thinking... If you start thinking that, you know, it can never happen here, that's the problem. You have to be, you have to be educated and you have to do your best to stand up for what is right. Well, I've said it on the show before, but I feel like I got to say it every chance I get. We spent, uh, after World War II, we said never again about the Holocaust. There's concentration camps in China right now. There's kids still being held in cages in America right now. We said never again for almost, what, 80 years. Now it's happening again. And we're not doing enough to stop it. It's scary. Now, now I could talk about this the whole time. We're at 30 minutes. I did have a question. (laughs) Well, I had a question about something you mentioned. You said something offhanded before. I'm not sure. Because if you want to keep going on this, I'm, I'm ready to go. We got some shared opinions and you're living a very interesting life with it. So I don't want to divert it if you're not into it. I'm fine. I, I have I have many things I can talk about, you know, so go ahead. Ask me anything if you want. Well, you had mentioned that you uh, are hoping to marry your girlfriend and uh, move to Ireland. EU passport still identifies European. But you said, if I, if I can marry my girlfriend, I wrote that down. And I'm wondering... Uh, what that's rooted in? Oh, I I just meant it in the in the fact that um, you know, we've been living together for a year and a half now, um, and we we want to get married. Um, the problem is finances. Okay. Uh, that's always a problem, and um, because of um, because of COVID situation that's been happening, I only found out um, two weeks ago that I've I've lost my job. It's I was ah. on furlough for a while, which meant that. I didn't have to work, but I still got money. Um, but now my company has said, okay, no more money. So I now have no income. And um, my girlfriend is doing a master's at the moment. 
and so she's a student um, so she has no income and I'm also starting another course in two weeks actually um, so both of us have absolutely no money coming in right now which is a little bit of a worry um, so I'm hoping we can get to the point where we can have the finances to actually get married but that seems a long way off right now. I'm very sorry to hear that. I also have to say, kind of relieved. Because I thought you were going to say you can't get married because of societal issues or family issues, problem with lifestyle. So I'm kind of psyched to just hear that it's a money Oh, no. Thing. I mean, I've, I mean I've, I've had my family issues um, and dealt with that with my family. And that was an interesting time. Um, my mom even tried to throw ice cream in my girlfriend's face one time, which was bizarre. Um, but that's all sorted now. So it's not nothing to do with family or anything. No, Wait. her family is amazing. So your mom threw ice cream at your girlfriend. Yeah. In the street in front of all the neighbors. <laughs> what flavor ice cream? It was, it what was flavor? a very strange situation. I feel like the flavor is coconut. coconut. Wow. That's real anger. That's real anger. Coconut. This is not, this is not some yeah. common vanilla that you can get everywhere. This is coconut. You might not be able to find that again. This is, this is the posh stuff. This is the stuff she got from a, uh, a farm <laughs> shop. It was expensive. Oh, so it's like artisanal. I honestly think that, I think, I honestly, I think that ice cream, the loss of that ice cream was the greatest tragedy of that day. It wasn't the fact that my mom tried to throw ice cream in her face. It was more the fact that this really expensive ice cream just got thrown on the ground. How are you going to waste, waste gelato? Money and ice cream. And this is because, and this is because your mom was reconciling issues with your sexuality at the time. Um, my okay, my mom is a very interesting character, anyway. And um, I've had a I have a very strange relationship with her. But basically, in short, what happened that day is uh, she tried to guilt me about how me being with my girlfriend was tearing the family apart, which it wasn't. I left the house because I didn't want to deal with that. She came outside the house and started chasing me down the street, yelling, don't you walk away from me? Don't you realize how hard this day has been for me? Because on that day, I had to clear out my whole bedroom because she told me that I had to get all my stuff out of her house. And then my girlfriend turned around to defend me and said, don't you realize how hard it's been for, you know, for me? Um, to which my mom threw ice cream in her face. So she was defending me. Wow. That's a really short, uh, that was like a, a very short, condensed version <laughs> of what happened that day. No, I, I have to imagine there's a lot of exposition that builds up to that moment, but the bullet points are fascinating. And, and do, you think that, do you think that when your mom saw that expensive melting coconut delicious creamy ice cream on the on the floor that it was any part of her saying i have to get oh i have to get away from my own personal biases because this is this is not i'm just kidding i'm just kidding on this i honestly i mean honestly it, it took me having to go and sit down with her like one-on-one -on -one and me being like look this behavior is childish you can't be going throwing ice cream in people's faces just because you don't agree with what they've said. <laughs> and it's like me being a parent to my own parent, which honestly is something I've done for most of my teenage years. But it was just me sitting down saying, look, I have boundaries. Are you throwing ice cream in my girlfriend's face is a line that you are crossing. And, I, um, I'm so sorry I'm it, laughing. Eventually, it's eventually so ludicrous. Down. No, don't. I'm, I'm laughing too. It's over a year and a half ago now. The funny thing is, is that she wanted my girlfriend to apologize for it. And she was like, hell no. She threw ice cream in my face. Why am I the one saying sorry? That is a wild conversation to have with your own mom. Mom? You cannot throw ice cream at my girlfriend ever again. <laughs> the type of sentence that impossible to predict that anyone would ever say. Maybe the only time it's ever been said in human history. Think about that. Millions, if not billions of I years mean, of maybe, human history. And you said the sentence, mom, you cannot throw coconut ice cream at my girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I, I'm training to be a therapist. Um, and so there are many things I've had to say to my mom over the years that I don't think many people would. Um, but, but yeah, like I've had, I've had to have these conversations with mom, like, okay, mom, it's not okay to do this. This is bad behavior, naughty. <laughs> and get her to like, oh yeah, sorry. Wow. 
so then you're in these classes to be a therapist and they're teaching about human psychology and there's yeah. all, I imagine there's all these moments along the way where you're going, they're talking about my, my mom deals with this. Are there moments like that? Yes, you know, this is how my mom deals with things, or this is how my sister deals with things, or this is how my father deals with things. My whole family are very weird. And honestly, my girlfriend always says to me, like, I don't know how you are even somewhat sane coming out of that family. I'm not really sure I know the answer to that myself either, but, you know. Well, I'm really glad you are. Because you're, it's very, it's very... And it's very interesting to talk to you about both societal and personal traumas. I'm sorry that you lost your job. That's very, very stressful. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's not a job that I particularly like. Um, So I'm not missing not being there. I'm just missing the money aspect of it, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I normally work in a theater. um, So the only good thing about my job is I get to watch things on stage for free. But dealing with... um, the public is not always the easiest of jobs. I have many interesting stories about my time working in theater as well. So is it like West End stuff? Are you out on the West End? Yeah, West End. I, I'm I'm part of the management team for a very large theater. And so I, I have, you know, if you talk to anybody who works in a West End theater, they always have like their, their one big story that's like one of the weirdest things that's happened to them. And then there's normally a whole bunch of other stories they can tell as well. Like my my big story is when um, one guy, bear in mind, I'm only um, four foot 11. I'm very short for my age. Um, and one guy punched me in the face um, because he wanted to get on stage. Yeah, a grown man, about 40, 45, I would have guessed. He tried to get on stage and I wouldn't move. So he punched me in the face. Now that's a place to stop. That's an intriguing thing. That's a big whoa moment. And then what we do is pause right there. It's called a cliffhanger. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. The breaks are over. Let's finish off the phone call. And I wouldn't move, so he punched me in the face. Like get on stage while a that's production was in story. process? Like a yeah, show's happening? Where I used to work had concerts. Mm. Well, it had a concert on stage. It was Luna Lewis, if you know who she is. Um, Wait, who was that? He wanted to get on stage and touch her hand. Leona Lewis, she was an X Factor winner. Of all people. <laughs> so a 45-year-old man is trying to storm the stage to physically touch uh, a talented winner of a reality show. And you are in the line of fire and get punched yes. in the face. Yes. And then he knocks me over. So then I did what a small child would do. And I grabbed onto his leg. And he, I, he tried to shake me off. And I just mm-hmm. clung onto his leg until security came. Mm-hmm. 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 Just imagine that. Like a big grown man, a tiny, tiny woman just holding onto his leg. <laughs> that was the situation. It was very strange. I have to imagine security had no qualms stepping in on that one and getting that guy out of there. No, they didn't. They they were very good about it. And then but then one of my colleagues said to my manager, did you know that she got punched in the face? And he thought it was a joke until he actually saw my face. Then he was like, oh, crap. You actually did get punched. And I was like, yeah. uh, that's the unfunny reality postscript of that story. I also feel bad because yeah. a lifelong fan of Morrissey over the last few years, I haven't been listening to his stuff as much because he said so many really off-putting things. But I have jumped on stage and uh-huh. touched Morrissey, so I've been, I've been that guy. It wasn't over um, an X Factor winner, but I have jumped a barricade to get on stage, and security did, right, you know, rightfully so, took me out. Yeah, see, we we had um, Morrissey play at the theater I used to work at, and oh boy, he <laughs> threw one of his. Yeah, he threw one of his items of clothing into the audience. Yes. And this one woman came up to me and she had all her nails ripped off because people were scrambling so hard to try and get the clothing. Mm-hmm. She was just, her whole hand was bleeding. Mm-hmm. But she won the item and she was like, it was worth it. I won this top. And I'm like, yeah, but your hand is a mess. 
It's crazy. Nah, they love it. He does that every show. People and people tear it to shreds and uh, storm the stage mm-hmm. during the encore. Now, I do have to ask, just as someone who has known his work forever, you're in the management. Do you have to deal with this guy backstage? Because you hear nothing but bad about his diva behavior. I mean, I didn't personally because at that this was about this was a while ago, so I wasn't as high in a position as I am now. Um, but he had so many rules um, in the building, so like none of us, even the you know bar staff, none of us were allowed to bring any meat into the building whatsoever. It didn't matter if he saw it or if he didn't see it. If we brought meat in, his security would take it off us, and they wouldn't let us bring any of that in. And um. Yeah, he he tried to play over the time that he was allowed, and I think he broke one of the rules, so he had to pay a ton of money as well. Mm. But this was before I was as high up as I was then, so I'm I'm not as aware of anything else. It's I'll tell you, people give him guff about the meat thing. It's showed up a couple times where people get mad at him for the meat thing, but he's done that on like TV show appearances and festivals. But I actually. I actually respect him for that one because he's been a lifelong, you know, one of the early, early public figures who advocated vegetarianism. So I'm like, yeah, that, that one he's been doing since 1982, you know? There's part of me that respects it. Yeah, like it, it wasn't him that was the problem. It's more like his staff. Yeah. That they are incredibly rude about it because none of us <laughs> really minded. It's just no one likes being, no one likes being spoken to as if they're a naughty child because they happen to forget and bring a ham sandwich in. <laughs> you know, we'd literally get shouted at in our faces because we forgot, you know, oh it's like, I don't mind leaving it outside. Just please talk to me like a human. Oh boy. This guy, this guy. Now, what else? You got so then, many like, stories. I. What else? Yeah. To finish the thought. Yeah. I was just saying, like, because of where I worked, I've I met a whole ton of celebrities as well. And it's always interesting to me to see which ones are genuine and which ones are completely, they put on a mask for everybody. So there are some people that I've met that how they appear on TV is completely different to how they act towards me as a member of staff. And then some people are just completely genuine. And it's always interesting to me to find out which ones are genuine and which ones aren't. I've also worked for, um, like, backstage for things like, you know, you know, the, like, America's Got Talent, the British version of that. I've watched the auditions for that. So it's interesting seeing how these things, how staged they are or how not staged they are. And just meeting different people and seeing how genuine they are. I just find that really interesting. Yeah. So much is manipulated. Public images are manipulated. Yeah. Any Any show that presents i feel like all tv is manipulated it's not it was a much longer process with a lot of editing and trimming and things taken out of context all of it we're all being manipulated all the time and england used england used divide and conquer colonialism to pit ourselves against each other and we're all trying to embrace who we are on the inside (laughs) and and morrissey won't even let you eat a ham sandwich the whole world the whole world is going (laughs) nuts and then, and then there's a time when I tricked my manager and managed to meet the Queen. So that you was m- a fun one as well. What was that? <laughs> I, was, I wasn't supposed to be there. But, but I, yeah, the Queen came. And um, I, I just found out I'd lost that job. And so I managed to get myself into a position where I was the one meeting the Queen. And I could just see my angry manager's face on the other side of the door just staring at me like, you're not meant to be there. And I was like, oh, I'm here now. So I got to take the queen to the box and everything. That was quite fun. Whoa. Is that, that must be cool to meet the queen. But a lot of people don't like the royals. Yeah, a lot of people, it is cool. A lot of people say the royals is like an outdated thing that costs everybody a lot of money. But at the end of the day, if the queen walks up, you must be like, this is fucking cool. I'm hanging out with the queen of England. I mean, I've. I've met the Queen, I've met um, Will and Kate, I've met Harry and Meghan, and I've met Prince Charles. Charles, sorry, not Charles. <laughs> so I've, I've met quite a few of them by now. That's like the whole nuclear family. Pretty much, yeah. Just, just add in the kids, and then I have the whole set of cards, basically. Everybody. And are any of them, like, shockingly chill? I won't ask for the negative stories, the tabloid stuff, but are any, like, is Prince Charles, like, cool are any of them cool with so, you 
or do they just maintain their respectful distance? Will and Kate were very funny with me because um, actually when we had them in our theater, there was a, um, there was a, a, a scare that there was a, a, someone shooting nearby. And so we had to lock down the whole place. And um, wow. because I was one of the longest members of staff, my manager was like, okay, you need to go to the Royal Box. And um, if anything happens, you need to get Will and Kate out. So they're sitting there not knowing what's going on. I rock up. Bear in mind, I, again, I'm, I'm very short and I look young. And I walk in and they both look at me and they go, Who, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I will be your security for the day. And they just look at me like, who is this child? So <laughs> and wait. I'm just like, yeah, I know my public. They were, just, they were just laughing at me and they're like, are you security? I was like, no, but I know the exit. So if what anything are you happens, talking I can about? save your life. And they what were just are you talking What are you even talking <laughs> You're telling me there was a lockdown situation and you, yeah. a four foot 11 person, were... We're thrust into an action movie where you had to protect one of the princes of England and you were in like the Bruce Willis, <laughs> Tom Cruise role in this, in this scenario. Yeah, I guess. Just because I, I knew where the exit was, so I was supposed to hand them off to an actual security person. But because they had their own security, they didn't know the theater as well as I did. So I had to lead them. If anything happened, I had to lead them to the, the back backstage and to, the, to their little security people waiting but they just didn't expect someone like me to turn up so they just found that kind of funny it's kind of funny really when you think about it and then you wind up locked down in a room together for hours and you become lifelong friends i wish no i i just i just stood there and we i just they they were just sort of chatting amongst themselves they were very nice but they didn't really say that much to me i just stood there with like you know, people were, like my own family were calling me asking me if I was okay because of course, it was all over the news that there was like somebody shooting outside. So I had like my own family and friends calling me like, are you, are you dead? Are you alive? Are you shot? I'm like, no, I'm just looking after Will and Kate. Yay. <laughs> it, was very, it was a really sympathetic, a surreal day. You have had a pretty fascinatingly weird life. Are you aware of this? <laughs> yeah. I say that I call it quirky. in the best way. Quirky. A quirky life. I think that's fair. So Yeah. I mean, and I, I've had I've had so many different experiences from working in theater. And even though it's not the career that I'm gonna end up doing, I wouldn't change it. I've met so many cool people and um not everyone can say they've met the Queen, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So the the plan is to stabilize the finances, get your girlfriend her degree, get married, go to Ireland? Yep. Yes. That's pretty cool. And then you get the EU passport, so then you can work anywhere in the EU and travel around at will and, and whatnot. Exactly. And... Yeah, I'm 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 really really passionate about therapy and about mental health in general and it's something that I I feel like I really want to make a difference with and I know lots of people call on this show and talk about mental health and stuff so that's kind of why I didn't go for that kind of route with my call because I know I think a lot of people have said things that I would say but it's something I'm really really passionate about and I really want to make a difference. So yeah, and like especially during this lockdown, my, my girlfriend has been um, diagnosed with ADHD and that's something that um, I really, really want to help other people with. And um, I'm also really passionate about um, dissociative identity disorder, um, which many people don't know what that is either. Um, and I want to change that and help people with that. So, yeah. That's one I've heard of, but I'm not totally sure what it is. Do you want me to explain? I mean, we have nine and a half minutes left, and it doesn't sound like a quick conversation, but I'd love to hear the broad <laughs> premise. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll give you the short version. Um, so if you imagine a mirror, and ima- imagine that mirror is somebody's personality, um, and if you were to hit that mirror repeatedly with a hammer, it would break into different pieces, correct? Mm-hmm. Just making sure you're getting it like going along. I'm following. 
Yeah. So if you imagine a child's personality is very, um, very fragile, like this mirror, um, if a child experiences severe trauma before that mirror has become fully strengthened, then their personality splits into different sections. But ultimately, those sections are still part of the same mirror. So unlike the way it's normally presented, like multiple personality disorder, it's not multiple personalities. It's one personality that's been split off into different sections. Because if a child can splinter off different memories into different parts of themselves, then they don't have to remember the abuse that they're going through, which allows them to continue to live daily life. Mm. And then it's those different fragments that then become alters. And alters is a short word for altered state of consciousness. So these alters, if you brought them all together, you would have the person who should have existed. But instead, that one person is split off into different parts. Right. That's the most basic way I can explain it. Got it. I mean, that was a beautifully thorough and descriptive answer about people compartmentalizing (laughs) and dividing themselves up in order to survive trauma. That's a beautiful thing you want to help with. Yeah. Now, the reason why I said it's nine and a half minutes, because it's fascinating. And clearly, there's like, you're one of these callers who like, there's been four things that could have been the whole call. But the reason I said it sounds long, so let's do the bullet points. Because now we have a little over seven minutes left. And I just have a feeling that if I say to you, and what else is going on, that something's going to come out that I want to hear. I just have a feeling. So what else is going on? Can I answer then? So I have been creating a lovely balcony and that balcony has been my therapy over the last few months without any focus because I've had no job to do. So I've been really focusing on my balcony and making it like a, basically an extension of our flat. And then I woke up one morning, went out onto the balcony and a squirrel had eaten about 14 of my plants. And this was like the worst thing that could have happened to me at that time because my balcony, like I said, was my therapy. And I, I was sobbing. I was so distraught over the loss of my plants. And my girlfriend was so angry that this squirrel had come and eaten my plants. And she was like, right, we're going to catch this goddamn squirrel. So she went onto Amazon and started Googling how to catch a squirrel. And she bought a squirrel trap. So we put out this squirrel trap. It's a humane one, so it doesn't kill it. It just traps it inside this metal cage. So we put this cage out on the balcony. And we put, you know, the normal things in there, like peanut butter and things. Nothing. Didn't want the peanut butter. So then my girlfriend was like, well, clearly it likes plants. It likes greenery. It's obviously a squirrel who's on a diet. So we went and bought a head of cabbage. And we put this cabbage inside the cage, left it out for one night, came out the next morning, the fattest squirrel you've ever seen is now trapped inside this cage. And my girlfriend and I just looked at each other like, okay, well, we caught him. What do we do with it now? It's just in a cage. And so I went to the garden centre that I've been going to quite a lot, which is a community garden centre run by the council, and I made a friend there. And so I just rocked up one day, and I was like, oh, hey, you work for the council, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, I had this squirrel in a cage on my balcony, any chance you could come take it away from me? And he didn't even bat an eyelid. He was like, sure, I'll come around this afternoon. So this guy just rocks up this, that afternoon, takes the squirrel away in his cage. And um, yeah, so I bought him a tiny little squirrel toy for his daughter to say thank you. And that was how we destroyed the squirrel that was eating the plants on my balcony. And now my plants are safe and happy, and so am I. See, I said, if I asked you what else, you'd have something. Can you tell a story about going to war with a real fat yeah. squirrel? I knew it. Yeah. I knew it, it. Honestly, I've never seen a squirrel that fat in my life. And you know in your heart it's because he's eating your plants. Yeah, I mean, the council guy came over and went, wow, that's a fat squirrel. And I said, well, no wonder. He's eating all of my plants. And he just burst out laughing. But every morning about 4 a.m., we would just hear this, like, thump, 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 as it ran over the roof because we were in an attic flat. And then my girlfriend was like, she's so loud. It could just be me running on the balcony at this point. It could be just so fat. It was so funny. 
I mean, I mean, it wasn't at the time, but now that he's gone, I can laugh about it. My version of that story is that, as I mentioned at the top yeah. of this call, right before we started talking, I was in my backyard throwing everything that could blow away into the basement in case the winds pick up. And one of my neighbors um, yelled from her yard, I just saw a bear walk through your backyard. So I'm not worried about that for the rest of my life. <laughs> now I mean, for the rest of my life, I have to I mean, worry about that. a squirrel. I mean, who knows? He could have been a skinny bear who only eats bear food and will leave my food alone. But odds are I got to be pretty careful about this bear situation. Yeah, I would if I were you. It's a lot different. When you move out of London, maybe leave in New York City. I never had to worry about a bear in New York City. What uh, what part of Ireland are you going to? Um, well, my girlfriend's family are kind of near Dublin, um, but we don't know whether we would be in the same kind of area. I mean, we have the whole country to pick from at this point. We have no like, set area. It just depends on what we can afford and stuff like that. But I still have to do a two year master's, so it's still quite a way off for us. Got two and a half minutes left, and this is Ben. You you strike me as one of the callers that, um, and I feel this way to some degree or other about everybody. But I feel like you in particular, if we ever met up, uh, it would we'd be it would be a very easy energy. And I don't feel that about uh, a lot of people. I usually am very shy and uncomfortable. But I have a feeling you and I would get along, my four foot eleven friend. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm definitely going to check out that song that you mentioned because I think I think we're both very passionate about music as well. And I absolutely love music. I love singing. I play the guitar. So I think we can have a whole conversation about that as well. Well, I, uh, I that song, I heard it. The first time I heard it, I was like, whoa, this is good. People are using music to say stuff right now. Because I keep thinking about the 60s. And I keep thinking about the eight, you know, the eighties with like Billy Bragg, one of my favorite artists. Like during times of upheaval, artists have traditionally stood up, and some of them managed to nail some things that needed to be said. And I think about how Amazon owns yeah. so much music now, and Apple, and these corporations that don't pay their taxes. And I'm like, I don't know, if Spotify pays taxes, but I'm like, I'm very disturbed that the Places that distribute music are people are, are companies that have a vested interest in making sure artists don't say certain things. So I, I feel like mm-hmm. ev- every artist in the world right now has to figure out how to stand up and say some stuff because we need a new Bob Dylan right now. We need a new Billy Bragg. I mean, we still got the old Billy Bragg, so that's a good yeah. start. That's a good start. Yeah, I agree. And that, that's something else that I loved about my job is that the people who came and performed were... So they weren't like mainstream artists. They were people who who used to perform, you know, back in like the 70s, 80s, 90s and before that, you know. And it's just good sometimes listening to this good live music rather than the stuff that just gets churned out and put on the radio sometimes. I really hope for a better future. And to go back to the beginning, I'm happy to hear you embracing pride in who you are and i uh i hope that uh you know the first half of the call you talked about some scary stuff and some people coming at you in ways that are not okay and i hope that second half of the call helped take your mind off things at least a little bit and uh i really wish the best to you and your girlfriend i hope you wind up in ireland married and happy and financially stable and and with all the things you deserve in life thank you that's very kind of you to say Caller, so sincerely, it was a pleasure talking to you. We talked about some intense stuff. We talked about some stuff that was very funny. But as I said in the course of the call, felt easy going. And, uh, and, and I have a feeling that if we ever meet in real life, I'm actually going to be socially comfortable for once and not the most off-putting human being. Here's most fans of the show will tell you I am in real life. Thank you for all of the insight. Talking about your background, some of the tough times, some of the strange times telling me about the time that you were personally uh, tasked with escorting members of the royal family to safety. 
What an interesting life. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Nita Flores in the booth. Thank you to Shellshag for the music. If you like the show, one thing you can do to help, rate, review, subscribe. Check out the entire beautiful Anonymous back catalog. It's on Stitcher Premium, along with a bunch of our follow-ups. StitcherPremium.com slash stories for more details on that. We'll see you next time.